0: everybody welcome back to the Tokyo Fintech podcast for our latest episode we welcome Fabrizio villani who is the co-founder and head of growth at fantastico fantastico maintains an inventory of fintech services that are available primarily with the focus on European and American companies and they're planning to build out an API ecosystem across all these companies Fabrizio is an Italian who studied in Holland and Amsterdam and and then took a fintech job in barcelona so lots of our conversation is around at the macro level the european fintech system but also with a specific focus on the italian and the spanish markets
1: I'm usually based in Spain, I'm, I'm Italian, and since 2013 I moved from Amsterdam to Barcelona in order to start to work in a, in a fintech company. by luck. On LinkedIn, I found a job offer uh, in a filter company back in 2013, and then, um, yeah, after the interview, I decided to move to Barcelona. My Dutch was pretty bad, so I was like, Yeah, let's move to Barcelona, eventually, Spanish would be easier. And this was the case since 2013, I live here. And since 2017. I, after a few fintech experiences here in Barcelona, I co-founded uh, Fantastico that wants to be like an advisor of innovative financial services.
0: Great. Barcelona has a very interesting technology scene, right?
1: As an ecosystem, I, it's quite interesting. Here in Spain, uh, Madrid and uh, and Barcelona. Then, uh, well, we have, uh, of course, Lisbon is also growing a lot because they got the Web Summit from Ireland. Then, uh, well, Paris, Berlin, London, even if it's no longer in Europe. These are the, the main hubs, I would say, here in, in Europe right now.
0: What is your primary focus with Fantastical? You have a very comprehensive database of fintechs on your website. Right now, our
1: focus is mainly on European and uh North American fintech companies, not because we don't like Asia, but because of regulation. So, for instance, peer-to-peer lending regulation it's really different from Europe to China. For us as a team, it would be much complicated to map out and categorize also the let's say Chinese fintech companies out there. But eventually, it's something that we want to do also in the near future because of. One of our partners is in Singapore. He was chief information officer for Barclays at European level. Now he's working in Teradata, but he's like our senior advisor and he has a lot of connection. Eventually, what we can do with FinTastico is not only help companies to get traffic and potential customers and leads, but also like to enter in a new continent. In this case, we're going to help eventually Asian companies.
0: Do you see any... Asian companies coming to Europe already? Well, uh, Alipay
1: and the big one are coming. I think right now we didn't see any Asian companies entering into the European market, except for the big ones, especially the the Chinese one. We believe because the markets in Asia are so huge and uh, the Fintech adoption is so high that they will eventually come to the West, but only when they are really strong in their own market.
0: Certainly from a Japanese perspective, the fintech companies, they focus first domestically and it's a different mindset from the US where you start with world domination in mind, but because it's the third largest economy, if you have a good standing in Japan, you're already doing pretty well. What's the major trends you're seeing in European fintech these days? All the business
1: models, a lot of business models are under pressure. Fundraising volume this year will be quite low. Fintechs are looking to reduce costs and be issue that their business model is strong enough to resist pandemic crisis. Of course, I see Europe mainly because uh, uh, we have mainly all, only all the European fintech companies on Fintastico and uh, what we can see is that there are some verticals like donation based crowdfunding. Of course is growing a lot. We discover that we are all humankind and we want to be solidar. And then uh, there is also an issue with the insurance companies because people don't use cars these days, these weeks, so they are savings. With this respect, but then they have to spend a lot of money to refund, like their clients, for instance, for business disruption. So, due to this pandemic crisis and also like all the events that were. Canceled. Of course, some of these events, they have like an insurance policy. A lot of insurance companies, the traditional one, they don't have really strong digital channels. So basically 90% of their sales was based on, on insurance agents that, of course, they can't go out from their houses. Insurance is under pressure. I hope in the near future to see more collaboration between insurance companies that they may sell online and the traditional insurance companies companies, also because of due to these crisis, uh, a lot of people were looking for insurance policy that cover life. And the, the growth of um, this kind of search on the search engines grew like 800% in the last few weeks. So that there is a demand for this kind of products, but there isn't an offer because insurance companies, they mainly, you know, not all of them, they don't have a digital channel in order to sell policy.
0: When you look at it from a regional perspective, Northern Europe, Southern Europe, Eastern Europe, where's the difference in the development and the focus maybe from a vertical perspective? I had the
1: opportunity to take part to an European project called Altfinator that tried to integrate even more the, the European markets, the different European markets and the different European countries. So for instance, I went to Bratislava to uh, make a presentation on impact investing and, and fintech. It was nice because uh, at the same time, the same day, that there was, there was also one lady from the Ministry of Finance of the Slo- Slovak Republic and uh, two other uh, filter companies that we're talking And uh, basically Alfineto is mapping out all the uh, peer-to-peer lending and invoice trading platform or all the financing uh, solution of uh, alternative finance. It's a job similar to Casco, but uh, from a institutional level. A while two years ago I went to Brussels for a Tech event, where I had the opportunity to meet a marketing manager from the European Banking Federation. He told me, "Do you know that all the banking association in, in Europe, in every single European country, they don't know." which are the fintech in their own country. And I was like, mm, no, actually, I wasn't expecting this. And he told me, yes. And actually, I mean, fantastical. it would be really useful for, for them. Find out who are these fintech and how eventually they can approach them. So let's say we're doing a public service, but try, of course, to, to monetize our, our
0: efforts. We're hearing that a lot across all the regions that, especially, let's say, the medium-sized banks and the smaller banks, if you're looking at that sector, they don't have the resources to keep tabs on what's going on and what are the interesting models. Maybe the large ones have an innovation team and so on. They can do this a bit more easily. But often the question is, what is going on in this segment or that segment? So I think your database is tremendously valuable
1: as fantastical, we have sometimes also some banks uh, consultancy but of course because we are a startup of consultancy is not sexy so um, right now our business model is more on affiliate marketing so we explain a service in a good way and we put a guide and then uh, we, we help uh, consumers and companies to an account, and we, we receive a commission for this. After we, we close a financing round, we want to develop more like. Business uh, model based on open banking and uh, digital identity, because right now we have more than 3,100 uh, companies on Fintastico, and because there is the acquisition uh, of fintech, so every fintech has an API, so it's easy to integrate all of this API uh, on a single uh, point of access. To sum up, Fintastico wants to be one of the front-end, maybe not the only one, but uh, for sure. Like one of the front because we saw plenty of back end solutions that help to connect banks with fintech, but we are not seeing yet like the, the face uh, of the open banking.
0: So we want to bring this open banking uh, to every, every customers and every company. Do you want to aggregate across certain fintech companies then? So you're like a super app in China? The point is uh, we are thinking about
1: uh, uh, smart onboarding where uh, with a few clicks uh, you can open an account with Fintastico and then every time you don't have to submit the Mm -hmm. same data (laughs) for opening an account with other Fintech providers because we will have all Fintech providers on Fintastico. Where
0: do you see Fintech companies helping in the current crisis? So there's many of the governments have emergency programs to give subsidies or pay some of the wages. Do you see Fintech companies getting engaged, helping, pushing that out and facilitating that process? Yes.
1: In Italy, last few weeks, uh, there were two agreements between uh, two banks. Generali Bank, Banca Generali, and Nexi is an important payment player. And they agreed to provide liquidity to two peer-to-peer lending uh, slash invoice platform uh, because they realized that, uh, these two players are faster in uh, in order to provide liquidity to consumers and mainly companies. So hopefully we will see more of these agreements. I mean, uh, fintech are regulated, but they don't have to, to comply with all the laws and regulation. that... Uh, have to comply banks and insurance companies. In this sense, uh, consumers and companies, they don't have to deal with all the bureaucracy related to banks and they can gain uh, liquidity faster. For sure, FinTech can, can help and also like all the donation-based crowdfunding are already helping a lot. Mm-hmm. The World Society also because uh, consumers usually don't trust like, hey send uh, SMS Text with your smartphone or your mobile phone, and then you will donate to you. But then you, you don't have the tracking option. So you don't tell if your donation really reach people that, that are in need. While uh, with fintech companies and also blockchain and crypto solutions that allow consumers and companies to donate uh, coin or, or Satoshi in this case to an NGO organization and also track the donation on and they are based on, on blockchain, bitcoin, it's easier for um, companies and consumers to track their own donation. So, this is uh, for sure a plus because uh, so a lot of uh, extra spending from governments around the world that are not necessary at all. So for sure, FinTech can help. The the question is, uh, does our own government in the country where we live, does to see an U draw or a T draw of FinTech in its own country? And uh, for instance, if I'm thinking about Italy, where the stock market index is uh, uh, mainly represented by banks, so it's a bankarized stock market index. I believe uh, probably they don't have all this interest to, to see Fintech grow fast. But the point is that you can stop technology and <laughs> technology grows faster and uh, also the Fintech adoption in other countries, uh, countries that lag behind.
0: Spanish banks, Santander, BBVA, they are quite innovative, right, in terms of what they're doing and their venture arms investing into the right type of fintech companies. So they seem to be very active and on the right path.
1: No, it's true. Uh, They are for sure in a better position in comparison to, for instance, Unicredit and Intesa San Paolo, two of the biggest ones in Italy and probably I believe uh, they are also in a better position in comparison to uh, Deutsche Bank or Commerzbank Bank because first of all they are huge, so they are in the top 10 uh, banks worldwide so they have a lot of resources they don't have a lot of or less NPL so non-performing loans, plus they have a strategy, their strategy started already a few years ago so it's already almost the second year that they DDR and launched an aggregator, financial aggregator, so basically consumers, uh, clients of the BDA. They can check the orders bank account directly from the BBVA bank account aggregator app without any problem or without downloading anything else that they have it already on their mobile phone or on their smartphone. As fantastical, I would be just happy if we reach a fintech aggregator because there isn't yet. But just to coming back to Santander BBVA, they have also a strategy where they are quite open on their investments in FinTech, while, for instance, I didn't see the same with uh, Unicredit and Intesa San Paolo. Where, uh, from my perspective, it's always a little bit complicated to find out what they are doing if they are doing something in, in fintech and which, which are their kind of investments. Last time that we had the opportunity to talk with someone from Unicredit, I asked directly this question and he told me, no, it's because of its strategy. We don't want to share information that can be useful for other competitors. So, are you saying that sometimes they are stupid? <laughs> because I, I don't think so. I mean, uh, uh, they are sharing, they are open, because um, even if someone is, let's say, a supporter of FinTech, of, of like in my case, or crypto and blockchain, the fact that uh, um, a bank is sharing so much information, so many information, it's, it's useful for sure and, and increase trust. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is trust.
0: In an environment where every bank or every financial player wants to become the platform that when you want to be a platform, you need to be open and connected. If you are in your own shell, that obviously is detrimental to that effort. So maybe there's still a mind shift that needs to happen. Where do you see the discussion with central bank digital currencies going in Europe? Crypto underworld. the world. I saw a lot of discussion on private stablecoin and public
1: stability. Stablecoin. The same as always with private blockchain and public blockchain or uh, well not private blockchain or just, just database. <laughs> private database. Let's see. I think China moving fast on this topic. And of course, uh, in, in Europe, I think um, the Swedish central bank is also doing pretty well with, with this respect. But I think um, at the end of the day, stablecoin makes sense from, from their perspective because it's a way to reduce their, their cost. And also because uh, uh, fiat money are already for 90-95% digitalized. The issue, as always, is with privacy. So do we really want to see the end of cash? There's some benefits, but there's also some negative points to, to take into consideration. Reduction of freedom, of personal freedom, uh, so we will have more cameras that will uh, measure our temperature, uh, if we have fever, if we paid our, our loan uh, last month, <laughs> and so on and so forth cryptocurrencies that help, like with privacy, will, uh, will increase uh, their uh, market size, but of course even in that case uh, there will be a, a, a battle, a fight between uh, one uh, cryptocurrency fan of uh, cryptocurrency A and the other cryptocurrency fan of cryptocurrency B. So, uh, at the end of the day, my suggestion is to reach um, a standard with, with the blockchain technology, because doesn't make sense that they keep fighting each other it's like, no, I'm using Corda, no, I'm using Ethereum, no, I'm using Bitcoin. From, I mean, from an outside perspective, it's just a waste of time and resources and people that are fighting each other for topics that the majority of the people and companies don't understand. And then eventually develop like a, a stable coin that respects all the values and ethics that the crypto community want, wants to see reflected in a in a stable coin. Otherwise, private end of the market, and in this case, the public private end of the market, we will, uh, we will live in a world where everyone will use a stable coin made by a uh, central bank. So, so it's going to be eventually more complicated for for
0: crypto funds. Ultimately, the underlying technology should not matter for the consumer. The application, whether it's a currency or an app, is really important, but which protocol it runs on, it's like whether you run an Apple iPhone or a Google phone, Android. Some people have a preference based on the branding and the interface maybe, but they couldn't explain what the difference in the technology is, and neither should they. It will be interesting to see whether we see the standardization of the protocols, or we see this interoperability, which some people are working on, which will be faster, I don't know. I totally want to know where my
1: data are and who is monetizing my data.
0: With whom is sharing
1: my data, and this is one of the points of GDPR, the, the latest regulation here in Europe for uh, data protection. And uh, usually what happened is that uh, Europe made a regulation and then all the other continents co- copy their the regulation and, and adopt, adopt this regulation uh, on a local basis. So uh, let's hope that this is the case with GDPR.
0: Clearly, digital identity will be a central role, right? And if we had to construct the internet again, we wouldn't probably build it in the same way that it has evolved right now. And that's why people are working on Web 3.0. All of that will take some time. It does need an ID, and it needs an ID that you can federate out or where you can find subsets of data that you share. and then I mean, the impact of that is boundless, right? So, for instance, with the digital identity
1: the first test is going to be next year because uh, we're going to face like the end of third-party cookies so all third-party data mm, already google decide that uh, going to kill cookies. So uh, this is going to be a tremendous change for publishers and also uh, for uh, advisors to invest in advertising, uh, advertisers. It's going to be a huge change uh, and and we see this already with media companies uh, like uh, New York Times and Washington Post and all the other internet journals that are looking for new business models. One of the main changes is in so you read the three to five articles and then they, they suggest you or they ask you to, to subscribe in order to keep reading these journals. Millennials and Generation Z, they are using other channels like uh, Telegram telegram it's possible to read eventually if someone wants journals because telegram is Russian days no one <laughs> censor uh, telegram because also telegram is quite censor resistant publisher they are in trouble because no one is reading uh, physical edition or uh, at least uh, the, the physical edition are decreasing year by year and with the digital they are not familiar and uh, so they have to find out a way how to monetize the digital except for advertisement that of course they keep using it but also like advertisers um, they, they want to see which are the KPIs and measures everything and so it's going to be complicated with uh, the end of cookies, and from our perspective, as Fintastico, we believe that uh, vertical portals on vertical topic will increase their importance in, in the market because they will, they will be the ones that they have uh, first-party data, and this data will be really useful for other companies. But for instance, on so Fintastico already, we, we can know which are the trends due to the likes On different topics, we have seventeen categories that goes from digital payments to crowdfunding to blockchain, financial services, and investments. So, Web Tech. And um, due to the number of likes on our categories, we can see which are the categories that uh, our users uh, prefer or read the most or uh, surf. the most. My suggestion is to dig into into this topic
0: for our listeners. That's an interesting change yeah for sure. And the point on mass adoption was an interesting one so if you take that back to the neobanks for example the customer numbers for a Revolut or an N26 are quite impressive it's millions of new customers when if you look then at the balances you still see that either it's lots of young people who maybe don't have that much money yet or It's people experimenting with the secondary account because it's a new channel, it's easy to open. But the balance is like 400, 500 euros or so, while on the traditional banking, it's a multiple of that. We have mass adoption maybe in numbers, but not in actual usage yet. And the the real test of the real adoption will be when people actually use these neobanks as the primary account, right? From my
1: perspective, uh, we have like traditional finance, with banks and insurance companies and traditional players then we have fintech 1.0 with apps and and platforms, and here I will also uh, add like new banks, challenger banks, and then Fintech 2.0 with crypto and blockchain related uh, uh, initiatives. Back to the challenger banks, uh, like you mentioned Revolut and Number 26 for sure some of these companies will have problems with following up with their uh, huge uh, funding rounds, because of course, they will not comply with their KPIs that they promised to, to the investors. And also investors right now are more focusing on current portfolio of companies. So uh, it's complicated to, to reach uh, any, any huge around funding around in the following month, I, I believe at least until 2021. What they can do is to adapt their global offer uh, on a local base. So, for instance, uh, two weeks ago, uh, N26, uh, that is, uh, well, uh, challenger banks uh, uh, with a German licensed bank, open, uh, well, allow their Italian customers to have also an Italian EBA, uh, for instance. And this is uh, from a fiscal perspective, fiscal point of view, of course, it allows Italian customers to really, let's say, enjoy. N twenty six at its fullness. Uh, this is not the case for for the challenger banks, So the key here is to really listen to, to your market because you have a, a global offer, but you have to adapt to the local market and find ways where customers are even much happier with your with your solution. And because like. A, a An Italian IBAN will also allow eventually to uh, to have uh, your salary, direct transfer on on N26 or even your pension if we are talking about uh, people with uh, a little bit of um, more years. As uh, an outsider that is looking to this challenge event, I really believe that N26 uh, will have uh, a good future not only because of team, but because of the investor that they were able to, to reach. One uh, is uh, Peter deal. the boss of uh, the mob of PayPal, he is a really well known, he is uh, anarcho-capitalist. is uh, really pro fintech 2.0, uh, even if he made a huge money with fintech
0: 1.0. What's your advice for, in my case obviously, Asian fintechs that looking at the European market and want to find an entry, where's a good starting point
1: Well, of course, if you're looking to enter into the South European markets, uh, Italy and Spain, please uh, give me a call. (laughs) But uh, besides this, uh, I I would suggest to enter in contact with the local uh, Fintech Association, because in the different European countries there are Fintech Association. But pay attention, because in some countries there, there are even more than one Fintech Association, It's a little bit stupid from my perspective, single European countries are Little, so we really don't need more than one fintech association per country. But uh, there are some countries where there is more than one fintech association, so fintech association can be a good starting point because they can provide you with a a good overview. Otherwise, uh, in order to check out the market, you can also, uh, of course, surf on Fintastigo where we have like Fintech France, Fintech uh, Italy, Fintech Germany, and we collect all the Fintech in the different European countries. And uh, we are updating Fantastico uh, uh, on a weekly basis. And uh, so, uh, Thanks also to filters and tags, it's possible to, to compare and navigate different technologies, different verticals. And, and in the future, uh, for the second phase of Fintastico, we are also uh, talking uh, with a FinTech uh, rating agency. The name is uh, ModFinance in order to implement, like, uh, eventually a rating on, on FinTech companies. This might be uh, useful for. Uh, Investors, for instance, uh, but also for consumers and companies that want to know more uh, on this particular fintech, and eventually integrate these uh, third party rating, these uh, super-partners rating, uh, with also like a, a social rating, or uh, for instance, uh, um, like the information that we can receive from Trustpilot. That is a, a quite a, a common, uh, useful uh, tool for, for this kind of, of comparison and in order to gain some social rating. And with the second phase, we will provide even more uh, uh, information to consumers and companies and also to FinTech um, uh, uh, Asian or uh, from other uh, geographies want, that want mainly to enter into the European market.
0: Good. Yeah, super. Wonderful. Thank you very much for that.
1: Hope- uh, well, te- thanks to you, Norbert, and also to, to the, all the listeners of Tokyo Fintech Podcast to, to have, have me here today. It was a pleasure. And uh, see you soon. Uh, the most important thing is take Fintech.